This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Underwriting has been provided by RSM, providing audit, tax, and consulting services in the middle market automotive industry. for challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax, and consulting for the middle market. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, Back in World War II, Detroit became known as the arsenal of democracy. The speed and the alacrity with which the automotive industry responded to the war effort was meant for the history books. Well, now the automotive industry is writing yet another chapter, and that's got to do with its response to the COVID-19 crisis. And I'm going to be talking with three experts today who are heavily involved in this effort, including Shilpan Amin. He is GM's Vice President of Global Purchasing and Supply Chain. Adrian Price is Ford's Director for Global Core Engineering for Vehicle Manufacturing. And Carl Esposito is a Senior Vice President at the supplier company Lear and President of their E-Systems. And I want to thank you all for taking the time to talk about your efforts today. Shilpan, let me start with you. I'm so curious. How did GM decide to get involved in making all this medical equipment? I mean, how how did it all come about? And give us a little bit of insight of how that happened at GM. Yeah, thanks, John, and thanks for having me. You know, it was actually a very incredible experience. Um, In the early stages, when we saw the coronavirus starting to spread and potentially impact the United States, There was an organization called StopTheSpread.org that put us in touch with a company called Ventec out of Seattle. And the recognition that there was a shortage of ventilators and the concern that it would take a long time to increase the capacity to what the industry needed or the medical services needed. And so it was literally within 24 hours of that phone call and that connection, we had people on a plane flying out to Seattle and quickly recognize the need to be engaged and the fact that we could help support the industry to solve the situation. Yeah, thanks. And uh, Adrian, same question to you. Uh, Ford Motor Company reacted very, very quickly. How did that all come about? Yeah, for us, it started uh, initially with uh, making face shields. And uh, we have a small group called D Ford that does a lot of uh, customer-based experimentation and they sourced the design for uh, making face shields. And very quickly, I got a phone call saying, hey, we've got, we've got a design. Um, we think we can make these things, and now we need uh, the manufacturing support to scale them rapidly. Uh, and from, from there, over a weekend, that grew to us sending employees to 3M facilities um, around North America and also to a GE facility in Wisconsin uh, to help look at how we could scale both N95 uh, masks, respirators, and also ventilators. So that was the initial uh, 
initial starting point for us, and that was the formation of what we call uh, Team Apollo, that was really looking for opportunities for us to do what we could to support in the crisis. Yeah, and, and we'll get into more details in that, but I want to hear from Carl, too, because Lear put out sort of a manual uh, of how to do all this, you know, uh, be able to make your plant safe for people to come back in. Carl, tell us a little bit of the background on that effort. So in March uh, in China, we were experiencing the, the situation of uh, the plants being shut down and trying to figure out how to get the plants back up and running and restart the plants. And what we were able to, to do is look around in the industry and there really wasn't any playbook or guidelines. So we quickly assembled a global team to put together a playbook that our plant managers and our employees could use uh, to have a, a procedure, guidelines and information around how to really operationalize all the things we we're hearing from the medical experts around the world. That playbook's been downloaded over 25,000 times and we continue to update it as we get more information around implementation of the protocols, uh, changes in medical uh, regulations, requirements, and lessons learned from our plants. And Carl, one of the things that why Lear has gotten so many accolades is you made this free to anybody that, you know, hence the 25,000 downloads, but you just said to anybody in the industry, if you want to use it, there it is. Yeah, our CEO, Ray Scott, really felt that it was uh, something to help uh, benefit not only the entire industry, but but uh, other companies as well. And we've seen it downloaded in lots of other industries and applications, not just automotive. So that, that's exciting as a contribution uh, to society. And as I said, we're continuing to, to update and deploy that uh, into, uh, into all of our plants as we bring them up around the world. Yeah, Adrian, you mentioned how you started out with 3M making the face shields, but you also got involved with GE to make ventilators. H how did that come about? Yeah, so over that first weekend, we uh, we sent some of our manufacturing and design teams to their, uh, their lab in uh, Madison, and they started looking at a, a few different things. One was a new design for a ventilator that GE was working on. Uh, secondly, was looking at scaling production of their existing uh, ventilators in their facility uh, nearby. And then the third one was an opportunity with a company called Aeron in Florida to take that device and uh, scale it for a higher level production. So that's really what the team started to focus on with our partnership with GE. Yeah, and Shilpan, uh, very interesting, you know, GM's in involvement with Ventec. Uh, I, if I've got this right, I think you sent out a, a notice to all of GM suppliers on a Friday and by Monday, you had identified something like 80% of the components that you needed to make these ventilators based on what GM supply base could do. Do I have that right? Yeah, and when you say it, it feels pretty amazing. You know, it came down to that first discussion on Thursday and Mary Barra challenged us that we've got to run quicker than we ever have because the country needed us at that time and challenged us that, you know, within 48 hours, we needed a plan for every part. and took us about 72 hours to get it complete, but over the weekend, thankful to the automotive suppliers and their capabilities to get engaged and be very supportive, um, you know, jumping through hoops, coming and looking at the parts and uh, put in a plan for every part. And it was, uh, I was very proud on Monday when I was able to send a note out to say, we have a plan for all the parts. That was an amazing response from the supply base. What did you do? Send them blueprints? I mean, digitally, obviously, uh, and just say, hey, can you make anything here? It, you know, and 
Um, the fact that we were in stay-at-home orders put even another level of complexity on it. We were engaging directly with Seattle, with Brothel, with Mentech and their organization. We had our engineering team um, at their facility, and we were converting their prints. We were transferring them over. We had our engineering organization here in Warren receiving and making it available. We overnighted a couple of parts and ventilators, set up a shop in our prototype facility in Warren, Michigan to lay out the parts, and then invited suppliers to come in, look at parts, look at prints, take what they needed, and uh, you know, ask them for a 24-hour turnaround on what it would take to produce these parts. And we had them, the need to produce um, the parts in 30 days, go into production in 30 days. That was the plan. So. Um, it's pretty amazing on how quickly they were engaged. They had their teams on the ground immediately and uh, confirming back to us very quickly. Adrian, same thing uh, with you guys. You very quickly came together. In fact, the one story that made headlines, I think, around the world is identifying one of the seat fans in an F-150 that you would be able to use in a ventilator. Yeah, so so actually that uh, that part was in one of our PAPAs, uh, pressurized air purifying respirators, and uh, our design team came up with a design for a PAPA within uh, a couple of uh, days that used uh, an F-150 uh, seat ventilator blower, um, a HEPA filter, and a, and a hood device, and then powered by a set of uh, batteries that you'd normally find in a, uh, you know, a home uh, drill and was able to create a, a medical device that basically is a, is a hood covering that enables us to isolate medical staff uh, from the virus. And that was what we partnered with 3M on to, uh, to test and validate and uh, has now been in production for a few weeks. And we've already, uh, we've already made more than 20,000 of those uh, devices. So pretty incredible story. It, it is incredible. In fact, I think anybody who's heard it and saw the movie Apollo 13 was reminded of how the NASA uh, scientists were challenged. You know, they they threw a bunch of stuff on the table and said, hey, here's what's in the space capsule of these guys. And, you know, you got to figure out a solution based on what's on the table. Almost sounds like you guys went through a similar kind of procedure. Yeah, well, we, John, we were looking for things that we could take where we knew that they were already in production. They were already scaled uh, for a large amount of units. And then it was a matter of, you know, how do we pull those pieces together to make it work? And we used a lot of... Uh, uh, people in our advanced manufacturing center to build prototypes. We did a lot of 3D printing uh, to get a base design, and then we were able to to pull the whole thing into production using uh, using some of our key suppliers to help us over a, over a matter of uh, of days and a couple of weeks to to have a working prototype. And then uh, we worked with 3M and uh, with NIOSH to get full NIOSH certification to to get the device in production. So. It's really cool, and especially for us, the, the cool thing is to see them in use in, uh, you know, in hospitals across the country, and uh, and know that we're helping people in the war on COVID. Yeah, that that's got to be very rewarding for all of you to see this stuff actually being used. Carl, you know, you made a pamphlet essentially, but it's it's not just a couple of pages. I think it's like eighty nine pages long or something like that. Uh, I mean, I know if I had to sit down and write 89 pages worth of stuff, it, it'd be, you know, deep into the year before that happened. How did you put a team together to figure out not just writing this whole thing, but the exact proper procedures everybody would have to follow? It was really a global effort. And uh, as Chopin mentioned, everybody was working from home, uh, doing it from home around the world. 
really broke it down into four pillars. One was around outreach and education. It was really important for us to outreach to the employees and educate about the situation, uh, what they were gonna experience, uh, not only the health and safety, but also outreach and education around what they were gonna experience as they came back into the plants. Uh, the second pillar was around training and making sure that we had a very robust training um, plan, both online, in the facilities, uh, so that people could understand the new work environment that they had to do. We did an audit and certification work pillar around making sure that we could audit all of our facilities prior to opening, to make sure that all the, the uh, protections were in place, all the training was in place, signage and reconfiguration of the workstations. And then the third was around employee feedback. And this is really important, excuse me, the fourth one, employee feedback and making sure that we continue to learn from the employees, hear from our employees, and continue to survey those employees. So those four pillars around outreach and education, training, audit certification, and employee feedback formed the basis of that document. We then expanded actually in the second edition to bring on additional um, implementations around how to really implement the playbook in a manufacturing environment, even in an office and an engineering environment. How can we adapt the playbook and the, uh, the guidelines to go into those kind of environments? So it's really important uh, to make it easy to use for all of our plant managers. We have uh, over 250 facilities around the world, and we deployed that to all of those facilities. Um, and now we're, uh, we're up and running in a number of parts around the world and continuing to get up to speed in uh, some parts of the world as uh, the rules and regulations allow us to do so. That was so smart to, to get employee feedback. What, what was some of the feedback, the kind of feedback that you were getting? Uh, we're really encouraged and happy about some of the feedback that employees, one of the questions we asked, would you like your, your feel comfortable that your son or daughter would work in the facility? And we wanted to make it very personal because it's very important that we get uh, employee health and safety is the number one thing. So, so driving that emotional connection and making sure that people feel safe and comfortable in the new work environment. We got feedback around things like reconfiguring some of the entrances or you know, operational as we scaled up the number of people coming into facilities. So we got some really good feedback there around how to do things a little bit differently, timing of things, uh, reconfiguration of the facilities, but also some great ideas around how to improve the flow within the, the, the plants, how to make sure that um, we've got the daily temperature checks and the wellness checks that, that, that happen very smoothly when employees come in, um, all the way down to wristbands for everybody uh, to verify that they went through the wellness check and the temperature check every day. That's great. Shilpen, how did you get people to get on these programs? I mean, it's not like GM has excess employees sitting around waiting for an emergency program. And, and I'm asking on two, two levels, really. The people who got involved to design, put the whole uh, ventilator uh, uh, program together, and the volunteers, the UAW workers who volunteered to go into the plants to manufacture them. Yeah, it, it was interesting because on top of that, we were in crisis mode. We were shutting down facilities. We were trying to work through how to stay viable. We were managing our supply chain. We had operations around the world still running, so we had to manage flow of material to those facilities. And so everyone had a day job. I think it really demonstrates the culture and the values that we live on to help the communities in which we live and work. and. You know, here was an opportunity to do so. It was actually pretty easy to ask for volunteers. We had people, um, you know, raising their hands extremely quickly. Um, you know, we had teams engaged, working remotely, 
and uh, get in on calls hourly to help manage through the situation. And uh, we, when we recognize what the automotive industry can do to support and provide incremental capacity to the industry, we got engaged with three other companies to do the same. We started all the personal protection equipment with mass production um, and distribution. And in all of those cases, um, you know, our employees, our staff, and our supply base really stepped up and was willing to do it while not taking a step backwards in their day job. Yeah, Adrian, uh, similar question at Ford. How'd you get the team together, and especially on the manufacturing end? I mean, the UAW has been very cautious about following all these procedures, setting them up. It still, even today, has questions about what's going on. But you got UAW workers to volunteer to come into the plants to manufacture this equipment. Yeah, I, th I think because so many generations of people work at Ford Motor Company and they think of it as a family, and in times of crisis, everyone just wants to jump in and do the right thing. And, you know, we uh, we called uh, a lot of employees and asked them for uh, their assistance. And, you know, many of them have got uh, parents, grandparents and great grandparents that have done things at Ford before in times of crisis. And many of them actually, uh, we have several Rosie the Riveter descendants working in our plants who are who are just, you know, happy to help and actually, uh, you know, really jumped at the opportunity. And, um, and the same thing with our engineers as well. Um, when we needed engineers to travel 14 hours across the country to go work with 3M and go work with uh, our partners at GE, uh, within 10 minutes of asking on one of our networks, I had 120 people volunteer immediately. So I think it's just in the DNA of the company. And it's something that, you know, is a long tradition at Ford Motor Company. And, you know, people just want to do what they could to help. So it's been an amazing, amazing experience to see uh, that outpouring of, of support. Yeah. Carl, going back to your, uh, let's see, I've got the, the official name here, Safe Work Playbook. You already mentioned you did a second edition and, and now you've come out with a supplement on top of that. Yes, we're continuing to update it. You know, as we learn, um, as we get feedback from our, our customers, we get feedback from our employees uh, to continue and improve that, that playbook and make it easier and easier to use and also to apply it in different situations. As I mentioned, not only in the manufacturing environment, but applying that same playbook in the office, the engineering labs, the engineering environment to make sure that we could we could uh, use it across all of our facilities around the world. Um, we also saw a need early on for, for uh, PPE challenges as well, and we were able to convert some of our manufacturing capability on our fabric and seating side to make uh, PPE masks as well. And so we were able to make about 3 million masks so far, and now up to about 500,000 a week uh, for not only our employees, but also to give to the communities that we operate in a lot of first responders and health professionals uh, to help support them, support our employees and the families of our employees and the communities that they're working. So giving back to that community piece is really important as well for us. Yeah, no, thanks for making that point too. Shilpa, and I know we, we've been talking or I've been asking you about ventilators, but GM's making more than that. Yeah, you know, we, we uh, also right away got into uh, mass production. And it, actually we had some discussions with Ford Motor Company in the early stages, we had a team collaborating around how do we make sure we're collectively contributing and not stepping over each other and duplicating efforts. And we shared some of the activities we were doing. Um, it, the other interesting, inspiring part is what Lear did with their um, their safety workplace book. 
And when they shared that with the industry and took that position of collectively, we have to help the industry recover and get back to work safely, um, that inspired us to take a design uh, bill of process and bill of manufacturing for our face mask that we received from our uh, China joint venture and then share that not only with our supply base, but across the um, country. So everyone learns how to produce masks because that became the new, what we call new abnormal uh, in the current state. Yeah, Shilpan, President Trump also said he had to invoke the De Defense Production Act to get GM to make this stuff. Uh, seems to me you guys were involved even before he, he started talking about that. Can you set the record straight for us? Yeah, so we, we were engaged with Ventec um, on about March 17th, and I think the Defense Production Act came out about March 27th. What it did was help prioritize the distribution and um, allocation of limited product to those that needed it the most. And so I think from the distribution side, it was helpful of where should these products go. So it's not a first-come, first-served basis. It was really where the product was needed most. Yeah, so it wasn't the president forcing GM to do this. It was figuring out where to send it to. Yeah, in a controlled manner. Yeah, good. Thank you for that. A Adrian, same thing. You, you mentioned uh, the face shields. Mm -hmm. uh, what else has Ford been making? Well, as you said, John, it started with uh, face shields like this. And actually, one of the issues that we had uh, early on was uh, elastic to support it. And one of the things we were able to do with uh, one of our first-tier suppliers they went and retooled their uh, production uh, system to make us this EPDM rubber that we normally use for door uh, seals on our vehicles. And uh, we're actually using a, uh, a fir tree that we use to hold uh, panels in the inside of our vehicles so that we could make thing these things faster. So very quickly, we went from making one a minute to one every 10 seconds. And currently, we've made about 18 million of these things and shipped to them all across the U.S., so that was that was really the starting point, and then uh, as we you know we taught, we uh, were also producing uh, masks like like this in our facility. I think we've made about 14 million of these so far, um, and then uh, as you said, ventilators, but also the the pressurized air um, purifying respirator that I talked about earlier that uh, continues to be very popular. So you know we've we've actually had four different facilities that are all producing uh, um, PPE and getting them out into the community, and so. It's been a very cool experience. And, you know, we had the same concerns, as you as you mentioned earlier, the same concerns that, that Carl was talking about with our employees and making sure that we have a safe environment. And so for our own return to work over the past couple of weeks, we've used a, a lot of the tools that we learned to use making uh, medical equipment. And so uh, pre-checking, the thermal scanning, uh, physical separation, and every time, as we went to put in place the uh, medical facility, we were able to leverage those lessons learned and build them into the process so we could protect our employees. And I think that's one of the reasons why our return to work over the last week and a half has been so uh, so successful, because people recognize the steps that we've taken and realize that, you know, over the course of the past four or five weeks, while we've been in medical production, we, uh, we really haven't had any issues with uh, employee safety. Yeah, look, I, I love seeing examples of weather stripping and the first tree snaps and, you know, the blowers from the, the seats. I, I, I think it's awesome. Shilpan, uh, lessons learned. What, what are you going to take away from this whole experience? And is there anything that you can apply going forward to GM's normal work? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, clearly 
believe in that you could do things beyond what you know you can do. I remember that first conversation of get a plan for every part in 48 hours and go into production 30 days. You know, there's over 700 tier one components, th multiple thousands of parts when you look at the subcomponents of a ventilator. Very complex. There's circuit boards and motors and um, very calibrated systems. And then, you know, recognizing the partnership that that uh, we have in value with our automotive suppliers. Um, you know, we if someone would have asked me if we could do it in the um, typical space, I probably would have said no. But because we didn't know um, that we couldn't do it and we knew we had to do it, we just went and tried and, and we were successful at doing so. We are taking that type of mentality as we think about the conversion to an all electric future and how do we accelerate that? You know, when you think about climate change is real and we have to be more proactive at solving that, um, you know, we were a bit reactive in, in uh, providing the proper medical devices and personal protection equipment. And it took a lot of us stepping up with a lot of effort behind it to accomplish that. What we're doing now is taking that approach and be more proactive, but be just as fast. Yeah. Carl, real quick, we're down to the very end. Lessons learned. I think uh, like learning how to work faster and work, work together. So the masks, you can make them in days, not months, right? How do you change your organization and learn to work in a different environment very quickly? And I think that was not only inspiring internal within Lear, but also across the, the industry around how we pull together and work together um, and learning that we could do that. A lesson learned that we can do that and we can do that together faster um, and, and move things forward a lot faster together. Thanks. Adrian, real quick, lessons learned. Yeah, so for me, I think the clear vision was the, the great starting point. In this case, there was no doubt the mission and what we wanted to do and our amazing organization across everybody, logistics, purchasing, design, manufacturing, all just pulled together around that common vision. And there was uh, no mountain too high, no distance too far. And I think it's just been an amazing experience to see the company in action and just pivot and and go as fast as we possibly could. And there was no discussion about cost or whatever. It was just, how can we do it safely? How can we do it with the highest quality? And how can we do it now? And uh, that was really what it's about. And I think I'll take that forward around the clear vision and making sure we have the team aligned. Uh, because with that, there's, uh, there's nothing that we can't do. Real good. Thanks so much, guys. Really impressive effort, what you've done. I'm so glad that we could share that on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Underwriting has been provided by RSM, providing audit, tax, and consulting services in the middle market automotive industry. for challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax and consulting for the middle market.